Welcome to Tough on Art, the podcast for artists interested in ways to get ahead in today's art market. I'm Jen Tuff, owner of Jen Tuff Gallery and the Artist Alliance community. Join me for some down-to-earth talk about the best ways for artists to navigate this new and different landscape. Dealing with rejection after rejection for artists can be demoralizing and depressing, and sometimes can even cause an artist to lose all hope and stop creating altogether. In this podcast, I'm going to break down this process and discuss ways to cope, feel stronger, and weather rejection storms just a little bit better. And we'll touch on why certain outdated expectations for pathways into the art world are not only irrelevant, but can also cause a lot of grief for artists if they're not met. So I could think of no better person to be on this podcast about dealing with rejection as an artist than Dee Tivenin. Dee is an artist and psychotherapist from the Bay Area of California. She established her therapy practice almost 40 years ago, and at the onset of the pandemic, she closed down her office and moved everything home, continuing to see patients via Zoom. Dee's venture into painting came about 20 years ago, and she now has a beautiful art studio in the back of her home that her husband Kevin built for her. These paintings are primarily abstract expressionist, non-representational works that are buttery and often filled with violets and fiery reds. She shows her work both locally and nationally and has made her pathway into the art world by primarily making connections, and this is something that we talk about in the podcast. Dee is also one of the most supportive and involved members of the Artist Alliance, the online membership community that I started when my gallery closed down due to COVID. She runs a group on there called Headspace, where members can discuss getting unstuck and all of the other things that artists are dealing with right now, including rejection. I hope you enjoy this hour-long casual conversation with Dee and I. And as usual, a small word of caution that a few profanities are shared, of course, by me, but I hope you enjoy the podcast anyway. Hi, Dee. Hi, Jen. It's nice to see you. It's nice to see you, too. Well, we, I wanted to invite you on because before we did a webinar together where we talked about a lot about vulnerability, like you just mentioned, and um, when it comes to juried shows. And so I talked a lot about, as a frequent juror, what that's like from my perspective. And um, I wanted to bring you on to let's further elaborate on the idea of rejection as an artist and what an artist goes through with it and how they can, how they can cope with it because it, it definitely, you know, it can freeze careers. It can keep people from moving forward. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I'd like to say, um, I don't like rejections myself. You know, I, I don't get one and say, thank you very much. I'm feeling so good. That's a pretty universal feeling. And we always get rejections. We've gotten rejections our whole life. Like, did we not get picked in gym class? Did, you know, did that girlfriend or boyfriend not want to be with us? I mean, it, so the reality is we have survived rejections for a long time. Now, the difference is if we, when we feel rejected, if we make it a character assassination about ourselves, then we're going to get depressed and feel worse and get stuck. Or if we look at rejection in the big picture, that it it's it is part of happiness. It's part of loss. It's part of you know taking risks with things. But you know when one is rejected, and I could speak about myself. My first thing is like, ouch, you know, feel that little bruise. Um, and people can feel angry you know, I should have, or look at the people that got in there. Why did that person, not me, feel hurt, you know, be critical of themselves, like, God, I never could get in or whatever. Okay. So we have the feelings. That part's good. We we want to feel. If we re repress our feelings, they're going to come out in another way, come out in a headache, stomach ache, whatever. So I get a rejection. Okay. I have these feelings. I feel kind of crummy and disappointed. Okay. If... What happens to people a lot that's really self-destructive, destructive, if then they take that and make it about their character and their personhood. Okay, I didn't get to, in this show. That means I'm not a good artist. I'm not a good mother. I rake the leaves poorly. You know, we can throw any darn thing in to make ourselves feel bad about ourselves. So then the feelings then become irrational thinking, and that's not healthy, irrational, negative thinking about ourselves. 
we all have this self-talk where we're talking to ourselves all day. I, oh, I should get up or I want to go to sleep or um, put the dishes in the dishwasher a better way or I forgot to call someone. So we all have this self-talk. So the first red flag awareness that's not healthy about rejection is, okay, I am not good. I shouldn't be doing this. No one likes my work, etc. So the tools for that is within our self-talk, realize that that's negative self-talk, irrational self-talk. And if I do it with art, and if anyone else does it with art, we know they're doing it in other areas. You know, I, I shouldn't have lost my temper with, you know, my child. I should be perfect. I should, 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 should. Irrational thought. So the way to deal with that is come back to our self-talk and say, well, you know, this has nothing to do with my character. Rejection is part of life. Do I like it? No. But it doesn't mean I'm not a good artist. It doesn't mean I'm not good at anything. It doesn't mean that, you know, I'm a bad person. What it means is I didn't get in and I don't know why. And there are a lot of reasons why. And Jen states, which is so good, all the reasons why. And then Jen, you may want to add, you know, maybe I didn't get in because there were a thousand entries in 50 spaces. Maybe I didn't get in because my pictures were blurry, you know, especially pre-cataracts, you know, that, that could have been in, you know, you know, maybe I didn't get in because it was the wrong fit for me. My painting really didn't fit for that show and I didn't know it. I don't know. Other things you want to add about why people don't get into shows? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of the shows that I've juried, there's around, I'd say 10 to 25% that get in out of all the entries. That's the first thing. Usually it's around 10% of all the entries. And when you're creating a show, when you're during a show, you want to create, I think I'd mentioned this to you before, D, you want to create a whole symphony. You don't want, you want all the art to be different, but also adhere to the theme. So, you know, you don't want to build a symphony with all violins, for instance, or just like you don't want to build a show that has all abstract expressionist paintings. Um, and abstract expressionist paintings, by the way, are the number one uh, paintings that I see when I'm jurying. So it makes your competition much stiffer. Um, the other thing that's really important is, you know, when you're creating a show, you, 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 you also, you know, you are creating the show through jurying. You're creating the whole look of the whole entire exhibition. And, So that's one thing that artists really have to keep in mind because you're playing one small part in a big symphony, let's say. You're one instrument out of a whole symphony and you really don't know what the juror is trying to create. You know, you really don't know the kind of show or exhibition that they they want to create in entirety. So that's something to keep in mind that will, you know, prevent artists from, from, you know, saying to themselves, oh, my work sucks. Or, you know, I shouldn't be an artist, you know, going down that path that you were just talking about. And the other thing that's super important is you're, you know, usually only seeing two or three pieces of that artist's entire body of work. And, you know, maybe the artist just made not a good decision as far as which piece to send to submit because, because it's not, it just doesn't meet with what the juror is trying to create as far as the whole entire show. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that the most important thing with artists, when when I'm looking at artists' work, I have to look at a ton of their work. One or two or three pieces never speaks to an artist's entire body of work. So when an artist gets rejected from a show and they say to themselves, you know, oh, I suck, I'm never doing this again, and they, you know, they go down that really bad path, um, and, and worse, not ever entering into another show, they need to keep in mind that, you know, that, that it's not about how, you know, how good they are as an artist or them themselves. It's, you know, the person is looking at one or two or three pieces and how that works in that particular show and creating that symphony. So it's really important for artists to keep that in mind. And 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 the most important thing for an artist to do is to keep going and be persistent. Because the worst thing, you know, the absolute worst thing that can happen is you take one rejection or two or three or a hundred even, 
and say, I'm a terrible artist. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. You have to be persistent. You have to be. There's so many creative people who've been rejected for what they've created in the beginning. But the key is to, you know, to keep going. I mean, look at JK Rowling, you know, how many times did it take before somebody published Harry Potter, right? And I think what helps to keep us going is our community. Because coming back to community and people and connection, because, you know, my my group of friends, we call each other, did you get rejected? You know, oh, me too. Okay. Or, and or we're happy if someone got in. But, but taking that negative self-talk, I'm never going to paint again, or I'm the worst, I suck, whatever, what I try to teach people to do is reframe that to a more rational, positive self-talk. So I can say, you know, I didn't get in and I'm never going to paint again, and I'm discouraged in my rational self-talk, again, the, what I'm saying to myself, and this actually helps to say it out loud, is, well, I remember what Jen said. You know, there are a lot of reasons that I didn't get in and to keep painting. Now, this negative side, the self-talk in so many of us takes over. And again, that leads to withdrawal, depression, whatever. It's like a really strong muscle and it's darn annoying. So the images to build our rational, our positive self-talk, not, not something that's not true, but rational, positive self-talk, and visualize it. At, we're lifting weights with it. We're getting stronger. And we're setting a boundary with a negative self-talk. So I like to visualize a stop sign, like make it like 10 feet tall. So when my negative side starts saying, oh, D, you shouldn't, or you suck, or oh, my God, why'd you do that again? I visualize a stop sign and reframe it. And one thing I say to myself, the big things are life and death. You know, this is rejection in an art show get a grip. And I add all the other things that you say, you know, my, maybe my photo was bad or whatever. And with all, even a painting, when I'm working on it, I'll use that model because my, my negative self-talk is present. You know, everybody has that insecurity. The question is, do I want it to rule my life or not? And I don't. So don't expect not to have it, but retrain yourself to pair it with a logical sign and the, uh, with a logical side. And the thing about the stop sign, it's just a visual, stop this nonsense. This is goofy. Come back to the rational side. And again, it, it's universal for everything in our life. And, and, and I've always told Jen, I love the image of the symphony. I, I love that. And you know, pe people that are artists like myself, don't understand how to put a show together. And if you really, that's a whole different skill set. And if you really understood that, and then you would have more empathy for yourself and the juror and more understanding of why you didn't get in possibly. Yeah. And you, you mentioned photography as well. And that's a, that's a huge thing. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I'm like, Oh, that piece looks really interesting but it's photographed so poorly, I can't even tell what's going on. And if you can't, and here, here, here's what it's like from a juror's point of view, if something's sort of blurry or dark or something like that, and you're just not sure, you're like, oh, this looks really interesting, it could be a really good painting, but you really don't know, it's too much of a crapshoot because you could get that painting that comes in, and this has happened to me at the gallery, um, actually, and then when I, when I see the piece in person, I'm like, oh God, you know, this is... <laughs> so that's why it's so important to get really, really good, uh, bright, crisp photographs. So there's no guesswork on the juror's part because if the get if the juror has to guess about what's going on, they're not going to put the piece in, and that has absolutely nothing to do with how good it is. You know, they just can't guarantee. If if there's any question, they'll just pass it by. So, so I think yeah, you have to recognize and you know, not, uh, I don't have a graphic design background, but these are all other skill sets that affect your entry into a show. You know, your JPEG, the DPIs, the photographs, not, you know, most of us did, don't naturally know how to do that. And so you apply to a show and 11 years later, you can see, oh boy, that was a bad photograph. Now I get it. You know, the longer that you persist, the better skills that you get. But um, 
none of this just it, it, none of this is just intuitive. There are learning tools and skills to do to get better. You know, and I guess I want to add this one thing about getting in shows and people put a lot of pressure on themselves about getting in, into galleries or being represented by a gallery. Now, you're better to talk about this on your end, but on my end, it's like find a lot of ways to enter the art world. You are not just a gallerist or a ga or in a gallery. You are an artist. Put, put yourself out in lots of different ways. And it's surprising. It's been really surprising to me what has worked and what hasn't worked. And, and I'm a little bit shocked by it, my trajectory. But I just kind of threw it out there thinking, you know, really, what do I have to lose? Because and and I guess we can have the demarcation between someone that's trying to support themselves as an artist and someone like me that is um, taking a loss as an artist. But I never tried to support myself. I I knew that would cause anxiety for me and would work for me, and it would take away the joy of painting for me. But put yourself out there. Try these different things. You know. Most of us really don't know the art business. Like you, you know the art business, and take those risks. I don't know what what do you want to say to that. That there's that's such a great point. I love what you said that there's different ways to to get into the art world. There's the, and there are. And I think after COVID, with so many galleries, you know, still continuing to shut down. Some some that have been around for you know forty years, like Metro Pictures that just closed in New York. I mean, it, it's really, it's going to keep going because, um, I, I, you know, having a brick and mortar gallery, I think is, is, is not, unless you've been in business a really long time, it's not the best business model. <laughs> you know, artists are going to have more and more control over their career, which is great. You do have to learn a few more skills, but, <clears throat> you know, but overall it's a wonderful opportunity in a lot of ways, like, you know, people are going to be able to do art fairs. Um, artists are going to be able to do art fairs. There's not going to be, um, this sort of stigma or, um, you're not a good artist. If you're not, if you're at an art fair on your own and not, you know, with a gallery, which is, which is silly. That's been, that's silly. And I'll tell everybody why that's silly because people rather buy from the artists and from a gallery when you're doing an art fair. Absolutely. Positively. And, and this whole idea um, about getting into a gallery and that sort of gives you this, you know, notch on your belt or a step up or something um, to who, like who, who does that matter to nobody like regular people don't understand the difference between a gallery or an artist selling art out of their studio. They really, honest to God, don't. They don't know the difference. And they much rather connect with the artist directly. So the only people who really care about, like, oh, if you have a gallery or not, is, is other artists. You know, regular people don't understand different kinds of art, let alone different kinds of galleries. You know, like, oh, this gallery is sort of lower tier, and this is like a really hot shot gallery. Regular people don't know that. I mean, big, huge art collectors might understand that, but you're talking about not even 1% of the population. So when you really think about the value system that's sort of in place for artists, it's kind of all bullshit. It's, it's yeah, I, th I think it's antiquated and it fits into this negative self-talk that we were talking about that fuels absolutely. rejection. Oh, oh I, I'm not represented, therefore I'm not good enough. Okay, pairing it again, with the rational side, a, a lot of people aren't represented by galleries and are doing very well. And moving to, you know, goals a little bit more or a little bit more of an ex existential way of thinking about this, why am I really painting? I mean, people are really painting because they're getting something out of it from their heart, their mind, their soul, you know, and do I want reinforcement and accolades? Sure. You know, I'll, I'll take those. I'm not about that. But I think for most artists, if if they never sold something, they'd be a little bit bummed out, but they're not going to stop being artistic. This is something that's 
in oneself. And I, and I think we have to remember that and remember, remember to be careful with these negative self-talk expectations. I should, I should be this far by now. You know, I should be represented by a gallery. I should be making more money. Someone should have noticed me. Uh, those kind of thoughts just lead us to feel like failures or whatever versus, you know, I, I am where I am and this is where I should be. There, your, your trajectory is different than mine. And you line up a thousand artists in the room and we're all different. I see that with my friends. We're at different ages. We have different needs. We have different time availabilities, different incomes, and that all plays into it. So, again, we can, we do this in our lives. So I, I'm not separating uh, being a person and an artist, being aware of how we can exacerbate a rejection or a hurt by our expectations and our self-talk. So I, I've been thinking about this since our last talk. And I, you know, I, I my first words were rejection, ouch. But I'm adding the piece rejection opportunities. You know, I think there are a lot of opportunities with rejection. And it's important to focus on that too, because we're going to be rejected again. You know, I mean, that that's just life. But one thing about rejection is we get desensitized to it. It's like ex being exposed. The more that it happens, kind of the less that it hurts if we are in our rational kind of adult mature minds. And if we go to our irrational minds, just get that stop sign and hit ourselves on the head and bring ourselves back. But, you know, it's like anything else that, you know, if I'm afraid of driving on curves, the more I do it. Um, th this does have a personal story because I have poor depth perception and Kevin thinks I'm going to fall into the ocean, which has a possibility. But anyway, but the more I do it, the more I get comfortable with it. The more rejections, and I know, you know, you're doing something with a hundred rejections. It, it's good to kind of have some humor with it and realize it doesn't have to hurt so much. Again, it's part of life. We've been rejected our whole life. Also, I think there's a lot of opportunity to grow and learn from rejections. Okay, so I, I didn't get rejected. I'm looking at this other work, and a lot of times I say that is darn good work. I can see why I didn't get rejected, and or why I did get rejected. And okay, there's some things I can learn to do differently with that. And an opportunity, maybe I'm applying to the wrong places. You know, so, you know, turn, depersonalize, you know, feel the rejection at first. Feel your feelings. I'm annoyed, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm mad, blah, blah, blah. Okay, deal with them because the only way with our feelings, we need to go through them to let them go. So feel them. And then come back to the rational thinking about rejection. It happens. It's not catastrophic. It's not a deadly illness. You know, and what's the opportunity for me here? What, what am I going to learn? And if we look, we're going to learn something. You know, any, any thoughts? What are you thinking? Well, I think, you know, with COVID and after COVID, what the art world's going to be like afterwards. I mean, I have some guesses, you know, a lot of galleries are going to close, artists are going to, um, you know, need to take these different paths that you mentioned. There's all these different ways sort of into the art world. And there's also all sorts of different kinds of art worlds, you know, it depends on if an artist wants to sell more to interior designers and sort of go in that path. If, um, you know, an artist, you know, wants to be, you know, strictly, you know, exhibition and sales in that way and sort of take a more traditional path. But a lot of these, you know, these trajectories of the, the sort of the idea of the, you know, the path that you're going to go down, this sort of regular trajectory where you're going to, you know, enter juried shows, um, you're going to get into more and more as you, you know, as you get better and then, you know, you get a gallery, maybe another gallery in another state and you sort of keep, you know, that's the sort of normal trajectory. And those are, um, those are going to change dramatically because 
a lot of galleries are going to be closing. But the other thing is, is that artists are going to have to sort of let go of that expectation of that normal trajectory, because the world is now changed. And without letting that go, there's going to be a lot more sense of rejection or loss. Um, and, and, you know, beating your yourself up, if you're not sort of following this path, if you're not getting signed by a gallery, if you're not getting representation. And, you know, like you said, in the beginning, there's so many different ways into the art world. And social media and the internet has completely changed the art world, you know, for galleries in particular. Um, this idea that selling directly is a bad idea, that putting um, art for sale on your website is a bad idea as an artist and putting prices on there is a bad idea. That's, that's, that's crazy. That's like following, you know, falling into that normal trajectory, that normal idea that someone else is going to do all that for you being, you know, a gallery that, and you know, who those, made up those rules. I don't know who was there, Mr. And Mrs. Gallery in the 1800s. Who, exactly. Who made us up? Yeah, exactly. And the only people, the funny thing is, is that the only people who really, sort of put any value or weight in that sort of normal trajectory are other artists. And when you realize like your market isn't other artists, your clients, your customers, your collectors, for the most part are not other artists. It's people, other people on the outside of the art world, basically. So, you know, when you, when I think when people, if people were to understand that and artists were to sort of, you know, embrace that idea there's not going to be as much rejection or this feeling of, you know, I suck and I shouldn't be an artist and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and really, um, you know, understand that there's all different trajectories that you can take. You know, when we, when we moved to Santa Fe, when we first started looking for a house, this will, this will have a point in a second. We, um, <laughs> there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of artists here. And there's um, a lot of older people here. A lot of people come here to retire and a lot of retired, you know, retiring artists. And we saw so many houses when we were looking to buy a house that were filled with artwork. You know, people had died and they had piles and piles of artwork. And it was so upsetting to me because I felt like, Oh, you know, and the family was saying, oh, well, you know, we don't even know what to do with all this artwork. I'm talking like garage full, you know, garages full of artwork, storage areas full of artwork. And it was the most sad thing to me. And I really worry, it really, in all honesty. That it was all left or what was so sad about it for you? I was sad because I felt like, you know, why isn't this art out into the world? Were they holding themselves back because maybe they were afraid of rejection? Were they waiting for a gallery to come along and swoop them up because that was the only trajectory that they thought that they could take, which is usually what happens. And so, you know, people, I think, use that as maybe sometimes artists use that as an excuse, like, oh, well, I don't have a gallery, so... You know, I'm just going to, um, yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons, I'm sure, but I just found it so profoundly sad, just the sheer amounts of art. And I just think it's it's such a shame that if people hold on to these ideas, like this is the only way that I can sort of get into the art world, like through a gallery or through representation um, and not go out and do it themselves because somehow doing it themselves is like lower or something like that. And then what happens when you take that approach, you're going to end up dying basically with you know storage spaces full of art and, and your it, children it, mad at you because they have to get rid of it <laughs> yeah and it, it sucks for the family too right but um but mostly that they just didn't try they were afraid of rejection in one way or another or doing things differently or afraid of doing things on their own or it, it you know it was one it was that holding themselves back not allowing, you know, maybe, because some of the work I'm telling you, like, I remember this one house, this woman, it was like the woman who died and her artwork was everywhere. It was incredible. And I was like, geez, you know, like, this is really, why haven't I heard of this artist? What did that, you know, anyway, there's a, I know there's a lot of moving parts to that. And it's not quite as simple as what, you know, is what I'm but saying. It does, but it does tie into what we're talking about, actually. Absolutely. Of fear of rejection. So what, one point that you're making that I think is, really good what whoever made up these rules that we don't even know who they are anymore they're not fitting for these times you know so let's toss those out and use rules that fit for me that fit for you as a gallery set for me in my stage of life and take that risk the other part is you know why why you might see a lot of garages full of paintings is people are afraid to take the risk 
you know, again, because rejection hurts. It doesn't have to hurt that much. It hurts, but there's a way to work through it. And there's a way to think about it differently. And, you know, I always say, what's the worst thing that can happen if I get rejected? Okay, the very worst thing is I'm going to hurt feelings for a little while, then I'm going to talk to my friends, and then I'm going to make some bad jokes, and then I'm going to go paint in the studio again and make a mess. Really, big things are life and death. Rejection is an inconvenience. You have to put it in perspective like that. So you try all these things. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. It's not different than anything else in life. I mean, you wouldn't think of dropping out of graduate school because you flunked a course. You flunked a course, you're going to get a tutor and whatever. So it's not different in life. And really, it's helpful to say what's the worst thing that could happen. And really, it's kind of goofy because nothing bad. And, and it's helpful for me also to think, okay, on my deathbed, will I be sorry that I didn't take that risk? You know? And, you know, I, I'm not trying to be morbid, I, but... You know, I don't want to have regrets about that because nothing bad is going to happen if I take that risk. And this is, and again, it comes back to opportunity, opportunities through the self to take risks and grow and feel good about ourselves, opportunities to connect, opportunities to sell and opportunities to become a better artist, paradoxically through rejection. Right. And there's all kinds of rejection that artists take and need to take. Um, and I totally agree with you that, you know, when I'm very, very old, it's one of the things that keeps me motivated. I don't want to regret something. I don't, you know, I don't want to not take this chance because I don't want to be, you know, a hundred years old or whatever. I mean, hopefully, and, you know, look back and go, oh, geez, I should have, I should have tried that. I much rather have a failure or a rejection or, you know, complete, you know, explosion of, you know, then, then, then the regret because yeah. the regret and, is something yeah. I, and, I can't live with. And the regret is constant. It's not just on our deathbed because every day if one's talking to themselves, should I, or shouldn't I, then they don't. There's a piece of their self-esteem get, that gets chipped away a little bit. So it's an, it's an everyday kind of rejection. And that, that's, you know, that hurts, you know, and the other piece about rejection is itself. We, we are doing this for reasons other than, you know, selling, really, or, or, or galleries. And we have to remember that. And that's, that's where our heart is. You know, that's, that's why we're doing it. Or, or someone else is like, you know, crocheting. 18 million hats or something. There's something that they're getting out of it. And there's something that we are getting out of this that has nothing to do, do with sales rejection or anything. And we have to remember that. So we should talk about as well, um, touching on that, the idea of, you know, external and internal validation. And when you put a lot of weight on external validation of your art, whether it's acceptance, acceptance into a juried show or, you know, getting an email back from a gallery, um, really how much weight should you put in those things? I mean, of course, people are going to do that and you sort of need to do that to a certain extent. But I really think that a lot of times why rejection can be so hard for artists or creative people in general is that they're putting too much weight on that external validation. I mean, really, what does the one show that you didn't get into and the one juror who didn't select your work, that's one person's opinion at the end of the day. How much weight are people going to put into that? You know? I, yeah, I want to introduce a term interjection, and it's a defense mechanism. And what it means is we take everything in and make it about ourselves and fit whether it does or not. And the analogy that I use is if I went to a buffet and ate everything there, I would probably be sick and I wouldn't even like half of it. But if, and I would be interjecting, taking it all in the buffet without discriminating what fits for me or not. So someone can say to me, D, your art is this, this, and this, and I can take in the good things and the bad things. But if I don't agree, if I take everything in, if you said to me all this stuff, 
and I believe everything unconditionally, I'm interjecting. But I might say, Jen, you're right on this and this. But no, actually, that was, I think that was a good color for that. What you're saying doesn't fit for me. It may be right for you. I, I'm not making you wrong, but it doesn't fit for me. I, I need to still use these blues for whatever reason. So we, why that is so important is we separate ourselves from other people's opinions. And again, most choices we make come down to who we are. We interject all the time to create depression for ourselves. This person says we should have a nicer house, a nicer car, a, you know, I should get my hair cut. You know, what, whatever, people are always making judgments and we pick up on that. But, and that's extrinsic feedback. Sometimes it fits, but when it doesn't, we have to literally not take it in, throw it out, whatever we do, because that doesn't fit for me. And that's really important. So coming back to the art world, if I took my paintings to five different people, I'm probably going to get five different responses. And that would be fascinating for me. And then at the end of the day, I'm still me and I can only do what I can do. So I have to decide what fits for me. Like someone can say to me, Dee, you are such a messy painter, which apparently I am, but I just kind of get in the flow. You saw that at Carol Dalton's workshop, you know, and, you know, then I think, oh God, am I too messy? What's wrong with me? Then my rational side kicks in. This is my moment. This is how I do it. And so you don't want to like work too close to me because you'll get pain on you, but it's okay the way I'm doing it and using, I know this is kind of a goofy example, but coming back to what someone says to me may not fit for me. And I'm only going to be happy if I follow what fits for me. And I might get advice that I want to integrate because that'll help me grow and it fits for me. But intrinsic, extrinsic, we have to be careful of, you know, shaping ourselves to extrinsic feedback because then we lose who we are. And when Absolutely. we lose who we are, we're depressed and we don't make the work that fits for us. Yeah. And I think that, um, what you were saying in the very beginning earlier about the more rejections that you get, you know, the, the easier the next one and the next one becomes because you've lived through it. You survived it. You know, you've been, you've been down this road before it becomes easier and easier. And, you know, the challenge that we have coming up in the artist Alliance to get a hundred rejections in five months. And this was inspired by, life coach Tiffany Hahn, who we had a conversation with over the summer. And I thought, this is such a great idea. And with the community, we're going to be able to, and I'm going to be putting my rejections in there too. You know, they might not be like art, that art related, but it really, it's, it's, I think it's so beneficial, like a great way to, for the community to help each other and be supportive because it really does sort of take that rejection off the pedestal because rejections are things that we don't, you know, we don't talk about because they're embarrassing or humiliating or, you know, and it really, you know, takes away the power of those yeah. just by talking about it. I, I mean, I, I love that one. We should talk about rejections because they're just part of life. You know, my car broke down and I got five rejections today. You know, I'm going to talk about it with safe people and uh, who are going to be supportive, and I did too, or I didn't, or whatever. But we should talk about rejections. It, yeah, take the power out of them. We ju that's just man-made created. Um, the other thing is about the hundred rejections. I know some people have made collages out of their rejections. Add some humor to it. Lighten it up. You know, and I think. Humor is important always to laugh at ourselves, laugh at the situation, laugh with others, you know? So, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's part of the deal and it's not catastrophic. And yeah, so I, I love what you're doing with that. And I can see like an Artist Alliance big collage of all the rejections, you know, someone, someone should put that together or whatever. But yeah, it, it's, it's not catastrophic. It's yeah, it's not. 
And, and, and actually, the truth is, is that the more as an artist, the more rejections that you get, that's great. That's a badge of honor, because that means you're out there hustling, you're working, you're trying, you're getting past those rejections, you're getting stronger, you're, you know, developing your thick skin, you're um, learning how to cope with that. And that's all part of it. There isn't one artist or creative person in this world who hasn't dealt with extensive rejection. It's the failure is when you let the rejection freeze you, paralyze you, keep you from moving forward or applying for another show. That's, that's the failure that that's where the shame is. The shame, there's no shame in being rejected, you know, but let me just jump in a little bit. (laughs) Just taking out the words failure and shame, because they well, I meant like, if you don't, you know, it, it, it's more shameful to like, stop pursuing things, you know, than getting rejected for something you tried for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. I I'm just want to reframe those words. Because it, well, well, they're trigger words, you know, when people get rejected, they feel shame. Yeah. You know, I would reframe it. The sad part is if you stop trying, it's set up for you. You know, I, I mean, I don't want, I don't want anyone to feel badly because they didn't try, you know, because that's a whole, you know, we're filled with all sorts of psychological issues, you know, good and, and some self-sabotaging. So I would hope that if someone, and again, there is no failure in the moment we're doing what we're doing and we're learning and oh now I'm in the next moment but there there's no failure in the there shouldn't be in this process unless we're self-imposing it there should be no shame unless we're self-imposing uh, imposing and that's our irrational critical parts that you know we want to minimize but the sadness would be if I'm not taking that risk and I want to then I would suggest for people to talk to someone or talk to a therapist or talk to whomever you can dialogue with and see why you're stuck and what do you need to do to get unstuck. And that doesn't necessarily mean 10 years of therapy. I can see everybody going, oh my God. But we get stuck all the time, whether it's fear, anger, or whatever. And so why aren't I doing it? Okay, I'm, I'm uncomfortable doing it but I'm uncomfortable not doing it. So now I'm going to be miserable. So I think about changes in little baby steps. Okay, little baby steps, because no one takes big leaps. So let's say I want to, I see two shows, one's like a big show and one's a local little show. Take a little baby step. Apply to the local little show. Again, what's the worst thing that can happen? And then... Take another little baby step. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's a new color. You know, maybe it's trying collage. You know, the, the shows are, you know, what, one, I'm making up a number, one-tenth of this whole process or, you know, there's so much more into it. But no shame, no guilt. But recognize we get stuck. We get stuck in all areas of our life, how to communicate with someone or hard decisions so this is so this is any different. Do I want to get unstuck? What do I need to do about that? And I'll do it really in small, safe ways, not in scary ways. But yes, circling back, the sad thing is not to try. That's the loss. Yeah, it really is. And I see that so much. Mm-hmm. So yeah. much. Or, you know artists being really angry if they didn't, you know, like when I've juried shows and you know that I've had some experiences D where (laughs) artists were, yeah, really angry and um, that they didn't get in to a show. And it's, I I think it's, it's just putting a lot of value or a lot of weight in, in one event one you know it's putting it in perspective too this is external exactly and um it's 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 impossible for a juror to know 
first off, you don't even know who the artist is that's submitting. It's totally blind. And you don't know their whole body of work. You're looking at two or three pieces. And, you know, to, to take that as like life crushing or career ending is, is, um, it's really unfortunate. And that's, that's the loss. That's the sad, that's the sad thing when people it's self-sabotage and it's hurting themselves. And yeah, what I'd like people to know is if they feel angry about something, which is a normal emotion behind that anger is the vulnerability. And the vulnerability is the place of change, not the anger. God, I'm so mad I didn't get into that show. I worked so hard and I, you know, it took me five hours to get on entry thingy. But, okay, so I just like complained. But the vulnerability, the heart is, my feelings are kind of hurt. I really wanted to. And now I'll take a risk again. But behind anger is that vulnerability. If you want to connect with yourself and or someone else. You know, instead of anyone lashing out at a juror who's really kind of an anonymous person in this whole thing, you know, the statement is, I'm hurt or sad that I didn't get in. I really want to get in. Okay, next opportunity, next thing. But again, it's not, in terms of mental health, it's not healthy for us to hold on to this anger, hold on to this rage, put all the weight on on external people, feedback, it's not healthy to interject, to take suggestions that don't fit for me because it won't be authentic, you know, and, and recognize that we change in little baby steps, not leaps. And so take that little baby step and ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen? Rejection is, you know, it's kind of like brushing my teeth. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to have rejections. But reframe it in terms of an opportunity. And I think people will find the opportunity and just feel better about this whole process. Yeah. And sometimes it might be good to just take a break for a little bit, you know, give yourself a little bit of a sabbatical if you're feeling really beat up, you know, and you're feeling kind of weak and squishy and not so good about things. (laughs) I like the clinical yeah. term squishy. I'm going with that. And, you know, and like, just, yeah. it let, let go of expectations. One thing I loved about COVID, I didn't love this year of COVID, don't misunderstand me, but I just decided to paint. I wasn't thinking about series. I just wanted to paint and get better and play and enjoy it. You know, the year was terrible for everyone in so many ways, but I loved the painting part. I took a lot of pressure off myself. You know, and so, yeah, that's what it's, take a break. We, we want to enjoy this. And maybe applying for shows isn't for you. You know, maybe doing outdoor, you know, art fairs. Find out what fits for you. Again, there isn't a right way or, or a wrong way. And, you know, what's status anyway? It's usually from the external and it's fleeting, you know. What's important is, are we feeling good about ourselves and our community? You know, and I, I want to put in a plug for the Artist Alliance because uh, that Jen and Todd started, because I've learned so much about different artists and their processes, and I've learned to appreciate different kinds of art that I've, you know, hadn't really seen before and understand it. And there is a lot of support, and there's a lot of ability to learn from other people besides the workshops that you put on, you know? So again, that community and getting a reality check, like I I might see an artist that, you know, it's been an artist their whole lives and it's wonderful work and they got rejected. Oh, well, you know, okay. Back to the norm, you know, it's, it's really normal. It's part of the process. And you know, you, you know, like you just said, there's, there's so many different ways into the art world. You don't even have to do juried shows. I mean, I think when you mention rejection and artists in the same sentence, of course, people obviously think, you know, a gallery turning them down or a juried show turning them down, but there's, there's so many, you don't even have to do that as an artist anymore. There's, there's no, there's no need. I mean, there's, um, you know, there's, you can go, you can do art fairs on your own. Now there's outdoor art fairs, there's indoor art fairs, there's all different types of art fairs. There's, um, you know, stuff that you can do online. There's, there's so many different ways. There's, 
I don't, I mean, like in all honesty, I really don't know, except for maybe the really big, super prestigious jury, um, national or international exhibitions, um, all these other jury shows that are kind of coming around or exist. I don't, I don't really know how much weight they carry in any, in any sense. I mean, usually, especially with online exhibitions now, usually it's only other artists that are looking at them. I mean, it's, I just think everything's going to so radically change that, um, after COVID. I think part of that is positive. And what you have said, what Jennifer Perlmutter has said, you know, she's a gallerist that we all know is it's really the connection, the relationship, you know, that helps people. And if the gallerist likes their art or whatever, but the relationship, they don't want to put people in their gallery that they don't have a relationship with. So absolutely, you know, so remember that, that, you know, you've always said this, it's about the connections, it's about the connections. And so we want to focus on the right things to help, you know, overall, we want to feel good about what we're doing, not 24 seven, because that's not real life. But, you know, a lot of this stuff is just man-made created, you know, these rules and expectations or self-created, which, and so we should just reevaluate them and see, do we want to go that route? Do they fit for me? No, maybe for someone else. And what what do I need to do to get better as a painter and enjoy this process and enjoy the people. And even if you look like at Artists Alliance, all the members, there isn't very, the work is so diversified. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone's doing well. And I'm not even referring to whether they're in a gallery or they're selling, you know? Yeah. We actually, now that I think about it, we, that really rarely comes up if someone's in a gallery or not. I mean, sometimes it does. I don't think anybody said that they're represented in gallery or, and I don't think anyone's asked. Yeah. I mean, it's more just about, um, you know, professional and creative development there. That's what everyone's focusing on for the most part. Yeah. So we can throw out a lot of these expectations that we have for ourselves that don't work and we're, we're rewriting. Well, I'm not, but you are, and you're (laughs) rewriting the world of art and galleries and, you know, different ways of doing it and throwing out some of the old ideas, you know? Yeah. It's so key because I think COVID is going to really just completely throw a bomb on (laughs) this normal trajectory idea. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. So, so, you know, artists should just try to forget about like, I should do this. I should do that. I should get in this show. I should get in that show. I, I should never be rejected. You know, that's just, you know, that's, it's, it's all do whatever after COVID. <laughs> Find your way. There are lots of ways to do it. Group, group with your friends, get together with your friends and do it that way too. That's fun. You can put on your own art show with friends. You know, you know, you can rent a space. You know, you can do a newsletter. You don't have to do a newsletter. You can, you know, find find your way, and and that's the way you'll be happiest. Stop comparing yourself to others. I mean, you know, we were probably told that in fifth in first grade for some reason. You know, I mean, that never works. We always find ways to feel badly about ourselves, which. You know, and that's what we don't want to do anymore. I'm still hurting about the comment about getting rejected from gym class. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, do you want to talk about that later? (laughs) We might, I have extra time to work through that, you know. (laughs) No, but you know, that I, I, cheerleading. I didn't make cheerleading. Of course, I had a torn cartilage in there. I know. Okay, this podcast is going to go to a whole nother topic. Stay tuned. Jen and Dee's rejection from cheerleading and the traumas that have ensued. Yes. That'd be a good soap opera. TV show. We have, see, rejections and opportunities. Here we are. You, you'll see us next on, as the world turns. Oh, yeah.
I know dodgeball. I never got chosen for dodgeball. I was always, I was, <laughs> I was always the last chosen. I know I was, I was not a very athletic kid. I don't think, I don't think sports and art go together too well. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. No, were you see, athletic? This, were you really athletic when you were a kid? Very athletic. Were very you? Athletic. And I've had nine knee surgeries. Oh, one chest surgery, two feet surgeries. Yeah, I was I was a nutcase because I always over-practiced and did too much. I, I wanted to be an ice skater when I was small, and then I got frostbite and tore my cartilage practicing cheerleading, and then I was training for a marathon. I, you know, I don't – I mean, so I don't have that much trouble with rejection. I do have trouble with, like, setting too high expectations for myself. And this is kind of funny. We were – a friend of mine, we were running in Golden Gate Park training for a marathon – I was on mile 17 and a half. And I go, oh, I feel this lump in my leg. So to make a long story short, the next day I was in surgery and was told I could never run again. And I go, wait wait a minute. Um, but it, it was actually, a, a really, a back to dealing with loss, rejection, it was, I had to, you know, kind of reframe who I was and what I was able to do. I was in my late 20s, but it was like taking a, a leg off a table and I was out of balance. So again, tying it to rejection or loss. Okay. Well, it, you know, people are dying of cancer. I, I think I could probably live without running. I was depressed, mad, angry. Why me? You know, and then took up tennis <laughs> <laughs> and then hurt my back, you know, but, I, but I love playing on the tennis team, but yes, I was, very rejected or not rejected, very athletic, but, um, I had rejections in other areas. You know, like I said, everybody does, but see, this is what's the early therapist in me. I was the first picked in dodgeball. And then I would pick the last person because I was afraid Aww. their feelings would be hurt. Is you know, that, <laughs> that's because you're sweet. Well, I, I, you know, like these hypersensitive personalities, you know, but, <laughs> You know, actually, we should do that sometime. You know, have people write down all these rejections that they've had their whole lives, and we're we're really not focusing on it that much. And that's case in point here. You know, do I remember my first rejections when I started applying to art shows? No, I can't even remember where my keys are. So you know, it it really doesn't have to stay with us. It doesn't. Do you know yeah. where my do you know where my keys are? By the way, I can't find yeah. my keys. No, <laughs> I'm still hurting from my gym rejection. Oh my god! I'm calling you later. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm not. I know. I'm so sorry. That was. I hated the way they did that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, well. Yeah. If but, I ever come to New Mexico, we will play dodgeball. I think, you know, well, when you're a kid, I think things affect you a lot more. You don't have that rational thinking. You don't have the maturity for it. And you don't have the life experience and resilience. Right. And, you know, so when people have a rejection, um, when they're older, you know, for an art show, they're adults and they're entering into an art show. I mean, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's not going to be like you're the last one left or something really embarrassing happened to you in high school or, you know, it's not going to be something like that. I mean, if we, we could regale each other, I'm sure with thousands of, you know, humiliating stories and yet we still grew up and we're still okay and we're functioning and, um, you know, so. Yeah, and this is where humor is important. We're laughing about <laughs> it. To God. Did I ever tell you I had a lisp and in second grade I was, I, I, I had the best time with it though because I got to be pulled out in second grade with a really nice speech person. And, but you know, it was, it was kind of cool, I thought, but, you know, I, but so it's just like really move on to the next thing and laugh about it, have support. Again, the big things in life and are life and death. We know that if we're not reminded of that this year, I don't know how we're, <laughs> how we're going to miss that. This other stuff is an inconvenience. So I couldn't run the full marathon. It was an inconvenience. Made a lot of jokes about it. You know, I was annoyed for a while, but 
you know, so keeping that in perspective is really an important thing. And keeping it in perspective um, with our artist friends in this process is really important. We want to have fun. Well, thank you. And I, I am really sorry about gym class. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I've gotten over it. Luckily, kind of. I don't play dodgeball anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't have you be on a dodgeball team. Uh-uh. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for inviting me. Thanks for coming. It's good to see oh, you. Yeah. Oh, it's so good to see you, too. All right. Okay, tell Todd hi. I will. Okay. Thanks, Jen. Bye. Oh, simultaneous waving. That's so good. I know. Bye, Bye. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. Your support means everything. If you'd like to learn more about the Artist Alliance community, send me a question or learn about other events or projects coming up, please visit my website at www.gentuff.gallery. See you next time.